Welcome to the Bear Marriage Podcast. I'm Sheila Ray Gregoire from BearMarriage.com, where we like to talk about healthy, evidence-based biblical advice for your sex life and your marriage, and now your parenting. And I am joined today by someone who made me a parent, my yep. daughter, Rebecca Lindenbach. Hello. And we have some important findings today about the modesty messages. Yes, we do. And I know people are excited for this one, so... Yes, and the when our book, The Great Sex Rescue, based on our survey of 20,000 people, we found one message in particular that was really harmful to women, the obligation sex message. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can sum up the worst message that we found in our survey of 7,000 women mm-hmm. for our brand new book, She Deserves Better, Raising Girls to Resist Toxic Teachings on Sex, Self, and Speaking Up, it would be the modesty messages. Yeah, 100%. So our book launches April 18th. Yep. Our launch team has launched. Yes. Yes. And it's going to be so much fun. I mean, a lot of you listeners I know are part of our launch team for Great Sex Rescue, and I know that it Mm -hmm. was just such a blast over there, and I'm really excited for this one, too. Yes. So we already have several hundred people in it. We're welcoming more. Yes. (laughs) So the Facebook group is up and running. We had our first Facebook Live this week. Um, There's more coming. We've got some pre-order bonuses for you if you pre-order the book and Mm -hmm. join the team. Um, We've got some bonuses on how to talk to your school, church, Christian camp, Christian school about modesty. Yeah. Um, some information on deconstruction, who is deconstructing, why they're deconstructing, and how you can raise your daughter to have a faith where she won't need to deconstruct. Yes. Um, at least not as much. Deconstruction can always be a good thing. Yes. It's not necessarily a bad thing. But no, but it's, it's, it's not always a bad thing, but it is often a painful thing. And so it's best to just, you know, yeah. if you have the option to give your daughter the kind of faith where she doesn't have to go through intense soul searching, mm-hmm. that's just... I highly recommend yes, that option exactly. rather than throwing it to the wolves be like, yeah, she'll figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Um, so those are some really fun things. If you pre-ordered the book, which you can do now, yes. um, we have the links uh, in the podcast notes for this on where you can get it on Amazon. Baker Books has it for 40% off and free shipping within mm-hmm. the US. Um, lots of other places you can get it and then just email us the receipt. The email address is there and then you can be invited to the launch team too and you can start reading the book like now. Yes, you'll get immediate access to an ebook copy. Right. So we want this podcast to share with you some behind the scenes stuff about our modesty chapter. Yep. Some stuff that isn't even in the book. Yeah, a lot of stuff that isn't in the book. That's right. And just some of the thinking that we've done around this. Let's start with one of our findings. We're not going to share them all. Yes. Okay, sorry. Share, you, do, you do have to get the you book do actually you want all the findings. Yes, yeah. but but we do have one really powerful one to share with you. Mm-hmm. So for this survey, because we really felt like modesty, when you ask people, what is the main thing that hurt you in youth group? Mm-hmm. What came up again and again and again was modesty. Well, and also modesty just came up again and again and again in the resources that we were reviewing. Right, like, exactly. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And so we really wanted to get to the nitty gritty of it. Like, Mm -hmm. what is it about the modesty message that is bad? So we actually measured four different aspects of the modesty message Mm -hmm. to create our modesty message findings. We measured um, them from all the different kind of reasons that girls are given for why they need to cover up, the gender differences that make it so that girls have to cover up and boys don't, those those kinds of constructs. We measured each of them so that we could really understand not only is it just the modesty message or is it a specific part of the modesty message? Mm hmm. So here is the finding that I found really, really astonishing. Mm -hmm. So if you believe one of the modesty messages. Yep. Any of the four that we measured. Yep. Your chance of experiencing vaginismus as an adult, as an adult woman, Mm -hmm. 
increases by yes. anywhere between 23% and 52%, depending which on which message you big believe. big amount. That is huge. That is huge. The modesty message is highly, highly tied to vaginismus. Mm-hmm. So if we're trying to figure out, and again, this is something we have been talking about and hammering home on this podcast for over two years now, mm-hmm. that women in the evangelical church experience sexual pain mm-hmm. at, tw- at more than twice the rate of the general population. We found an incidence rate of 22.6%. And in the Great Sex Rescue, we identified the obligation sex message as being yeah. highly responsible for that. And in this survey, we found another piece of it, which is the modesty message. Highly, highly responsible for the vaginismus rates going up. Yeah. So here's how those four teachings break down. Okay. So people who believed girls who dress immodestly are worse than those who don't had a 23% higher chance of having vaginismus when they got married. Yeah. And we didn't, we didn't define what worse meant. That was up to the people taking. Yeah. Because that's just what we heard everywhere is like, you know, you're like, it's just, you're don't want to be a bad person. Like we heard that everywhere. Right. Um, people who believe that we have to protect boys by dressing modestly, um, were 24% more likely to experience vaginismus. Mm -hmm. Those who believe that boys have a visual nature that girls will never understand had a 45% um, higher rate of vaginismus. And those who believe that boys couldn't help but lust after girls who are dressed like they're trying to incite it had a 52% higher rate of vaginismus. Mm -hmm. Now, it's interesting, those latter two that are especially bad are ones that are about boys boys nature how boys um have a visual nature mm-hmm. that girls can't understand and how a boy can't help but lust yeah. so they're they're focused on how boys react to to girls mm-hmm. they're not focused on girls responsibility yeah. or whether or not girls are bad or good they're focused on how men react to us mm-hmm. and basically it's like when you feel like men are a threat to you Bad things happen. Yeah. And when you feel like, you know, if if something happens to you, it's probably because it was your fault. Because mm-hmm. you wore the wrong thing. Yeah. Right? Like because that, that he teaching, can't help it. Yeah. The worst one is that teaching that, you know, if girls dress like they're trying to incite lust and well, they can't blame boys for lusting mm-hmm. after them. Like that's, that's ridiculous. Now, there's a whole lot of other things that are highly associated with the modesty message. A mm-hmm. whole lot of other outcome variables yeah. about sexual satisfaction later, marital satisfaction yeah. later, self-esteem effects, really, really significant findings. You're going to have to read the book for those. We're not going to give you everything on this <laughs> podcast, but we do want to zero in on this modesty message and yeah. have, have a bit of a conversation that we haven't had before. Yeah. Because we have talked about modesty a lot on this podcast, but we realized in planning this, there's so much we haven't said. Well, there's just so much. I'm going to be honest. This is This is... An area where you just keep digging, you just find more dirt. You yeah. just so it's why don't you said something really interesting to me? Yeah, well, because I'm about... the one who grew up in this, right? Mm-hmm. You didn't grow up with this. No, I really. didn't. I mean, you grew up in the '80s when the modesty message wasn't as common in Honestly, mainstream. Honestly, I never heard it. I yeah. never. And ever you were heard in a more it. mainstream Christian. Yeah, group. like we we know whenever we say things like things are more common in the '90s and 2000s than were in the '80s and '70s, we'll say, "Well, I heard it." Yes, we know. Yeah. We know that it always existed. That's yeah, not in the IFB churches, in, in Southern Baptist churches, fundamentalist churches. Yeah, but the thing is that there's a difference between something being something existing and something being mainstream. Yeah, right. And and there is many different sociological like studies and different uh, reviews that have found that these kinds of beliefs, these purity culture beliefs, that girls' bodies needed to be policed, that you mm-hmm. know, sex became just the the in essence the idol of Christianity. That really didn't become mainstream until 
until the purity culture move- yeah. movement in the 90s. And, and we actually measured that because yeah. we can see how the beliefs changed for yeah. different generations. And we found in our survey, too, that a ton of people who grew up in the same era as you did not believe any of this stuff, didn't hear it, weren't mm-hmm. taught it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I'm the one who really grew up in this. Joanne and I both did. Um, and what I found growing up in the, the middle of the modesty message is that more than anything, for me personally... What it did was it demonized womanhood. Mm-hmm. I remember being 14 years old and reading Brio Magazine in my bedroom, uh, the bedroom that we are actually sitting in. Yes. Right now in this room. And Brio Magazine, of course, was the magazine for... Right, focus on the family for, for girls ages, uh, I think they they are they targeted 12 to 16 and then Brio and Beyond was 16 to 18, but Brio and Beyond had ended by the time that I was reading Brio. So mm-hmm. um, it's for teen girls, preteen and teen girls. I remember reading Brio Magazine and I was reading an article by Dana Grash about modesty and one of the things they said was, um, you know, quick tip, make sure that you can pinch an inch of fabric on your jeans. Um, if it immediately springs back, it's too tight and you're immodest, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm looking there and I was like, I'm going to be honest, I was a thin 14 year old. Mm-hmm. Like I was not big. No, um, but you were curvy. But I was curvy. Yeah. I had thighs. <laughs> yes. Okay. I've always been very pear shaped. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm looking at my jeans where I already struggled to find jeans that fit because my waist was so much smaller than my hip measurement. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there and I tried to pinch my jeans and I couldn't do it without grabbing skin. Yeah. And I immediately thought I must be fat. Yeah. And I think that's an experience a lot of girls had. And we weren't told it's just that like you were a girl who has curves and some girls are going to have thicker thighs and some mm-hmm. girls are going to have wider hips and that doesn't make you immodest. And the fact that you can't find, like I physically, because also remember loose pants were not in style back then. Like today I can probably, I mean today mm-hmm. I'm actually wearing jeans that I can, I can <laughs> because that's what's in style today. This right. is 2007, 2008, 2009, skinny jeans, low rise skinny jeans are all the rage and you could not find loose pants. Mm-hmm. I would have had to get my clothes professionally tailored to fit Dana Gresh's modesty yeah. rules, you know, because I, if I got pants that were a, an inch loose around mm-hmm. my thighs, I would have had to wear suspenders to hold them up. Yeah. Like they would have been massive around my waist. Mm-hmm. And I remember just sitting there as a 14 year old and that was, and I was already going through all the normal body image issues that you have when you're 14 and feeling like uncomfortable in your skin and feeling like I'm suddenly so much bigger than I was, you know, mm-hmm. and feeling like all these weird things are happening. And then that's really when I started seeing myself as, as too big, yeah. as fat. And, and if people saw pictures of me at 14, they would be shocked. Yeah. Um, but I was, this I was actually convinced. making me tear up. Yeah. yeah. No, I was convinced. And, and I, yeah, like I, I don't know how many other people had that experience. I know a lot of people did because I know a lot of my friends and I have talked about it. Yeah. But focus on the family. That's when I started to think that I was too big. And I have, and I'm going to be honest, I've never been able to be comfortable with my legs. And a lot of it comes back to that idea of like, but my legs are too big, mm-hmm. you know, because I can't be modest. Mm-hmm. And Dana Gresh, is like the, the real magazine, Dana Gresh, that, that's what that did to me. Like, I really feel like for a long time that stole my ability to enjoy my femininity Yeah. because what it did to me is my ideal. I mean, everyone knows everyone who grew up in the aughts and the like early 2010s, like, I mean, for Pete's sake, like trigger warning, 
quickly for anyone with eating disorder background. But like everyone knew all the quotes we were all talking about back then. All the stuff that everyone was saying, all the things like nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. Everyone had Pinterest boards of stick thin models of like fitness inspiration where there's no way that girl can squat anything. Right. Right. But that's our fitness inspiration. We couldn't call it skinny inspiration because then we have problems. But like this, this was so normal. Mm-hmm. And then Brio comes along. Yeah. And tells us that if you can't find clothes that hang off of you, you are modest. Yeah. And and this is the thing is we were told that to have curves, to just not be straight up and down means that something's wrong with us. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, they're surprised why they had an eating disorder epidemic in like <laughs> evangelical circles. Yes. Like we actually have to grapple with this. And these are the kinds of things that I found growing up in, in, in the... The, the modesty message culture is that I wasn't allowed to enjoy that my body was becoming a woman without feeling guilt, mm-hmm. right? I wasn't allowed to enjoy like the fact that, hey, I have a really thin waist now and really big hips and like I look like a woman, right? Mm-hmm. Like now we can all be like, yeah, I got that Pixar mom butt. Like now yeah. we all joke about this stuff. But this modesty culture told girls the same thing that, you know, the typical culture about that was policing our bodies told us is that if you look like a woman Mm -hmm. in a way that has curves, if you look like any kind of woman other than the ones on catwalks, Mm -hmm. there's something wrong with you. See, that's so interesting because when I grew up, I was allowed to be pretty. Yeah. And we were allowed to be pretty, but we were allowed to be pretty prepubescent girls. We were allowed right. to look prepubescent. Right. Right? We were allowed to look pretty. We weren't allowed to look womanly. Yeah. Because womanly was sexy and sexy was sinful. Mm-hmm. Right? And that was the biggest mind trip for me was like growing up as someone who has always been, I've always joked that like, you know, I'm I'm the, the short, stout, Scottish uh, washerwoman kind of thing. <laughs> you know, I've always been kind of like compact with like, you know, <laughs> like wide shoulders, small waist, wide hips, you right? Were, yes, you were meant to... I to... was the wet nurse for everyone yes. in the county, okay? Yes. like if you had lived 300 <laughs> years ago, you would be the wet nurse. Exactly, yes. right? Like, you know, and, and I was raised in this Christian group where because I was not straight up and down, despite being quite thin mm-hmm. back then, you know, despite being quite thin as a child... I still thought that my body wasn't right mm-hmm. because I looked more womanly. Yeah. Now, of course, like, I never had those problems. Like, <laughs> I was so happy when padded bras came in. <laughs> yeah, no, you did not get it from my side of the family. No, and, and we're not saying that to look like a woman, you have to be curvy slash no. straight up. Now, but yes. what we're saying is the traditional, the, but you know what we're talking about with the, the adjective womanly, like the curvaceous mm-hmm. form, traditionally seen as the more sensual, like mm-hmm. curvy form. Like that was so demonized. Yeah. You know, we have so many stories from girls who were told at 11, 12, 13, now you need to watch what you're wearing because of adult men looking at them. I mean, it's just, it's just been awful. Yeah. And something else that I realized when I was growing up and coming kind of coming out of this, mm-hmm. right, is when I hit around 19, I was like in university and I was like, I'm like a full grown adult woman. And I had this, this moment where mm-hmm. I realized I'm not a kid. Like I'm actually a woman. I was thinking about getting married. Yeah. Like I was figuring out where I might want to do a PhD someday. Then I realized that doing a PhD would suck my soul. And so I didn't. Um, but you know, like I, I, I was thinking about big grown up things and I was like, I'm like a legit woman. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I'm allowed to feel sexy. And I said, but I don't want to feel sexy. And I realized that in my mind, feeling like a woman immediately mm-hmm. made me feel like I'm a temptress. 
Right. I'm sexual. I'm promiscuous. And I'm like, well, that's not really it. And I realized that because of this modesty culture, I didn't have a category for not being a child. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't have a safe category for dressing like someone who wasn't a child. Yeah. Because to dress in a way that made you look like an adult woman, I either had to dress like I was a mom of, like, five teenage kids, right? <laughs> Running them back and forth to soccer practice, which, mm-hmm. frankly, I dress like now, which I love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as, like, a young 19, 20-year-old in university, I wanted to dress like a cute, professional, young woman. And I had mm-hmm. no way to do that without thinking of myself as sexual. Mm-hmm. Because there was no category yeah. for just being a woman. You were either a teenager or you were, like, a mom. Mm-hmm. But anything else wasn't allowed. But anything else wasn't allowed because men might find it attractive. Yeah. And so let's just turn to that for a minute because those were the messages that we were given so much. And and what we were also told over and over and over again is that you need to watch what you wear mm-hmm. because guys are going to look at you. Yep. Men are going to look at you. Yep. And I know that's what a lot of parents are scared of, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you don't want men checking out your daughter for sure. But I, I did raise two very good looking daughters. And often when we were out in the public, yeah, I would see someone looking at you or your sister or whatever. But honestly, so what? I guess that's what I, well, I, I realized later on, like, you didn't, if you didn't notice, and if they weren't leering, is that really such a big deal? I know, because we were taught growing up so much, so much of it was avoiding that. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, make sure, make sure that you don't incite any boy to look at you or any man to look at you. I know we are told warnings about how if you wear something that you think is cute for your date, remember that everyone there, even the grown men, are going to be looking at you and Mm -hmm. are going to be thinking about your body. And I guess the question that I have is like, if that is the case, first of all, okay, it it is, it is not the case. The majority of men are not pedophiles, despite Mm -hmm. what books would have made us thought Mm -hmm. um you know but if a 13 year old girl was truly walking around and having every single person looking at her in a sexual way don't you think that if that affected her she would want to make it stop yeah like like we were so warned about this and when i look at this i'm uh, when you take a step back and you think why were they shoving this down our throats like if this was such a bad thing You don't Mm -hmm. have to tell 14-year-olds not to touch hot stoves. It's not fun. Mm -hmm. You don't have to tell 14-year-olds to, like, you know, not do things that hurt them. And also, like, kids are able to adjust their behavior to get what they want. Mm -hmm. Um, But we were told to be afraid of things that we weren't even experiencing. Right. And so we could never know if we were modest enough. Well, it's like like when when the Sunday school teacher said to the 11-year-old, you know, you need to watch what you wear now because the adult men are going to be looking at your chest. Yeah. It's like, right? Why? That, why? Why are we putting that on the 11-year-old? If the adult men are looking at her chest, that's mm-hmm. not on her. No. And also, if she doesn't realize it, it. Like, how is she harmed? How is she harmed? Like, that's, again, that's the thing. Is like, we're taking the, I think it was one of our patrons. Was it one of our patrons who said, all that responsibility to take off of men's shoulders has to go somewhere? Mm-hmm. I think it was one of our yeah. patrons who said that. Yeah. It was amazing. We were talking about this kind of thing. And that, that's exactly what this comes down to, is that men in these churches were experiencing unbridled sexual uh, sin issues. They're mm-hmm. experiencing lust. And so what's the response? We teach girls not to get in their way. Yeah. 
We don't just tell girls, you're allowed to like be a woman. You're Mm -hmm. allowed to grow up into a woman and you're allowed to do that safely and comfortably. Mm -hmm. And anyone who tries to make that uncomfortable or unsafe for you can get out because that's wrong. Yeah. We don't say that. No. What we say instead is make sure that you understand that if if you show even an inch too much of your leg, then every single guy's thoughts are going to get pretty raw. Like, that's ridiculous, especially when... I, I, when I look at myself and the kinds of girls, like my friends who are all reading Brio magazine with me, like none of us were trying to dress inappropriately. Like none of us had a desire to do so. Mm-hmm. We were already dressing pretty modestly. We were already dressing pretty appropriately. And that's who Brio was talking to. That's what a lot of these places were talking to. Mm-hmm. And it makes no sense. Okay, so I want to I talk to the parents who are listening right now. Yeah. Okay. One of your fears might be... But I don't want men looking at my daughter like that. Yes. So if she if she dresses in something which and and please remember we are not talking about we are talking about dressing in culturally appropriate clothing. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're not talking about dressing in extreme clothing. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about dressing in a way that it only. We're talking that if your daughter was at the mall with five of her friends, they'd all kind of look the same. Yes. We're talking about stuff that is culturally appropriate for her age group. <laughs> In where you live. Okay, so she's walking in the mall mm-hmm. with a bunch of her friends. And maybe maybe she's even the prettiest. Yeah. And maybe as she walks by, a bunch of guys check her out. Yeah. But she's talking to her friends and she doesn't notice. Mm-hmm. So my honest question is, why is that so bad? Yeah. Like, has that harmed her in any way, shape, or form? Mm-hmm. Because like, what are parents scared of? Yeah. Because if she, it, let's say that they did leer at her, let's yeah. say a bunch of guys leered at her openly, mm-hmm. okay, then she's gonna learn. <laughs> first of all, you know that that I probably need to hang out in a different place. Yep. Okay. This isn't <laughs> a safe place. This isn't a safe place for me. She may learn how to walk with more confidence so that she can stare down the guys that are that are looking at her that way. But like she can learn how to adjust because this mm-hmm. is a scary culture. And I know parents are scared. Yeah. And I know that, that we have to help our daughters, you know, cope with this. But your daughter can never, ever, ever stop every man from looking at her no matter what she wears. No, you really can't. And that cannot be the goal. The goal no. cannot be to make sure that my daughter never gets checked out by men in public. Exactly. Because, I mean, I've I've had a guy, you know, uh, I've had a guy when I was walking my dog walk, go by on his bike and hit my butt. And I was wearing a literal parka going past my butt, just regular jeans and winter boots. Yeah. Like, was I supposed to not wear jeans? Should I have been wearing a denim skirt? right like like at some point we have to recognize that some guys are just going to be creeps and that's not your daughter's responsibility yeah and although it's scary to have our kids be old enough to be i mean like in an area where they're independent where they're Mm -hmm. they're by themselves in this world where there are really creepy predatory people that's terrifying we also have to recognize that realistically the majority of people like the vast majority of people who are going to look at your daughter check her out in public that's going to be where it ends. Like, yeah. it, it's yeah. very, very because strange so, if it so, goes past So that. let's get on to this fear thing, too. Yeah. What is it that we're that we're scared of? Are we scared that she's going to get assaulted? Yeah. Okay, so who is most likely to get assaulted? Yeah. It is not based on what you wear. No, it's actually not. It's really interesting. It's really more based on, on your energy. comportment. It's your energy. energy. Yeah. yeah. So the girl who is super submissive, who is super deferential, and who looks scared... 
is more likely to be targeted. Yeah, than someone who might be wearing way more modest clothing, but has that you like, don't mess with. Yeah, yeah, don't even try. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, and I'm gonna be honest. Like that's that that was very much what I tried to do when I was in university. As I was walking around at at, at nighttime, it's like you don't look scared. You look like yeah, try it, bud. Like yeah, dumb. <laughs> right. And and I think this is this is what we have to think about is not do these these gut reactions of like, but I don't want people to look at her. People are gonna look at her. Doesn't matter what she's wearing. Have you seen the what are you wearing exhibits, right? Yeah. It does not matter what she is wearing. People are going to look at her. Does that mean that we walk around naked? No, right? Mm-hmm. We do. We walk around with what's culturally appropriate in the area. But if you're wearing something that's culturally appropriate, even if it's more immodest than what previous generations would have worn, even if you're just, you just don't get current style as the parent, if it's culturally appropriate, if she blends in with the crowd of peers, frankly, it's not on her. Yeah. It's not on her what other people do. But the reason that we focus so much on this is because evangelicalism has taught girls and women that it is our job to make sure men don't sin, right? We hear this in the the gatekeeping message we measured in uh, The Great Sex Rescue, where, you know, you have to be the brakes because he's the gas, like that (laughs) idea. Mm -hmm. You know, we we measured this in um, the ideas that women should have sex with their husbands to keep them from watching porn. Um, We see this in a lot of the messages we we Well, basically, women are sin management tools. Women are sin management. Like, I've I've been saying for, for a while now that, like, evangelical has just made women into sin eaters for men, right? So mm-hmm. that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to take it all upon ourselves so that they can stay holy, right? right? And so what does that turn into? That turned into that turns into make sure you're someone he doesn't even want to look at. Because mm-hmm. even if he looks, he'll start to be tempted to sin. Yeah. And it's just disgusting. And the, the weirdest thing, though, is like how they... They measured this. Yeah. And I want I want to jump in too. If you're if you're still feeling uncomfortable, because yep. I know a lot of parents listening are feeling feeling uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. The really cool thing is in She Deserves Better, in our yep. new book that is launching in April, at the end of each chapter, we have exercises that yep. you can work through with your teenage daughter. Mm-hmm. And we have ways to talk about how to choose clothing yep. that is appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that and and look at clothing from a biblical mm-hmm. perspective which is focusing on not flaunting wealth and on thinking of others and on respecting others and respecting yourself. So we can have those conversations, but we can have them without pairing it with With you are responsible for someone not sinning. Yeah, exactly. And and can I just say, like the girls who, when I was growing up, I thought of as immodest, Mm -hmm. the clothing wasn't the problem. Right? Like the clothing wasn't the problem. They were also wearing sweatpants and sweatshirts lots of the time. Like they were also wearing the same clothes that I did a lot of the time. It's just sometimes they wore a modest clothing. But when you look at like their backgrounds and things that were going on, like fixing the clothing wouldn't have fixed anything. Because the reason that they were wearing things that were genuinely shocking and they were trying to shock, like they mm-hmm. were trying to shock people with their clothing was because they just had these deep core needs that they were trying to get met. And so just telling them, well, you're a bad person because you're not covering up, that doesn't fix a core need. Yeah. That doesn't fix the problem. It just causes shame and guilt that's not going to change anything, but lets all of us feel like, oh, well, at least I'm not that person. It's literally that parable that Jesus talks about. Where it's like, (laughs) when you pray, don't be, don't say, well, thank goodness I'm not like this tax collector, but instead just do it in private. It's literally deal with your stuff. Okay. Like don't, don't make outward shows of it. Just, just. Remember what actually matters. And so parents, if you see some of your kids' friends and they are dressing on the extreme. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying they're just showing more cleavage than you would like. Like, I'm not, because that might be culturally appropriate. They might just simply have a big chest. Okay. I'm talking about. You also might just have different preferences. Like, there's a difference. Yeah. 
But I'm talking about people who, for their cultural, what's a culturally appropriate, they're on the extreme. Yeah. And and you're listening to this and you're thinking, but Sheila, some girls are dressing, mm-hmm. trying to get guys to look at them. And you're right. There yeah. are some girls. It's a minority. I also tried to dress to get guys to look at me. I just yeah. didn't do it in those ways. But like, yeah, yeah. But it's a minority who are yeah. honestly trying to do that. But if they are on that end, they don't need modesty messages. No. They need someone to come alongside them and figure out what those core needs are. Exactly. And so we're doing this all backwards. We are. Can I also explain now, can we jump to something else? Yes. Which is how this modesty message got spread in totally backwards and wrong oh, ways. Oh, it's horrible. This is just bad. Yeah. It is horrifying. So after we published Great Sex Rescue, <laughs> we did talk about how... Um, uh, some of the things shared in the book for women only by yeah. Shanti Felton were quite problematic. Oh, and yeah. we talked about some of the ways that she talked about um, men's, men's propensity, men's towards, propensity lust. towards lust. And she took issue with us <laughs> and she wrote a statement um, about how that wasn't what she actually said. Despite the fact that like, we had talked to hundreds of women at this point who were all like, oh, yeah, no, it was for women only that I learned this. Yes. So funny. Exactly. So, so yes, when we asked so women, funny. where did you learn? Where did you, where did you learn, learn that all men are all men lost? Oh, for women only. Yeah. yeah okay. The, the majority oh, okay. of them said for women only. Yeah, all men struggle with um, lust for women only. So Shanti told us, but she doesn't say that all men struggle with lust. What she says is this, and she quoted something, which is almost word for word from for young women only. So yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this. What she said is this. Even decent guys who are happily going with a girl are instinctively pulled to want to visually take in, linger on, and fantasize about all the details of an attractive girl's body. These images can be just as enticing whether they are live or remembered. Yeah. So, That's she, so much says, better. <laughs> she says this isn't talking about the Pennsylvania. So what we did is one of our modesty messages that we measured, we yeah. used her words. We used her literal exact word because she right. kept on saying, well, you say that I taught this, but I didn't teach this. So we're like, well, you know what? Like, we actually need some accountability here. Like, let's, if mm-hmm. you're, if you, let's actually test, were we wrong? Yeah. Did, did, did the way that you measured this actually help women? Yeah. So we used her exact words. Yeah. Yeah. What well, not as long, but that men, no. that boys have this visual nature. Boys have to, visual nature that girls take, will never understand. Yeah, to take in. And, like, yeah. and, and that was one of the most harmful modesty yeah. iterations. It was. Yeah. It, it was. So yes. Um, so, but we did, we did use her words at mm-hmm. her request in a way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and we did find that. But then we went back and we looked at, how she phrased the modesty message and how she asked about it in her book for young women only. Um, and this book, it's an old one now. It was published at the height of purity culture. Mm-hmm. This is, this is, I mean, this is what everything that I was reading on Brio was. Right. Shanti wrote, yeah, there was stuff in there all the time. But these messages are still heavily promoted in churches. They are. They're still there. You're still going to see it every time anyone talks about dress codes. You're yeah. still going to hear this. Part of the reason that we're talking about these books that are older, too, is, is, is twofold. We talk about this in She Deserves Better, is first of all, the tricky thing for us is, you know, a lot of the times what your daughter's hearing is not from books in the same way mm-hmm. it's from like another 17 year old on instagram right. and quite frankly like we want to do this professionally mm-hmm. we we understand you know it's it's really difficult to get uh, called to accountability for the things that you've said and we want to make sure that we're always doing this ethically and that we're doing this in a way that is above board, which means we only talk about our peers. Yes. We are not going to talk about some 
18 year old college student with 1.2 million followers who's just sharing about her faith and doesn't purport to be a teacher right right so we so what we wanted to do is we wanted to look at the stuff that was written in books to help people recognize the problem so they can see it and to also understand the culture the historical just the foundation of this stuff like your instagram influencers learned this stuff because their sunday school teachers read things like for young women only Mm -hmm. their sunday school teachers maybe grew up on brio as well and so that's why we are talking about these books even if they're not that popular anymore it's because we we just we did not want to go over the cute little 16 year olds who are not trying to be spiritual influences they just happen to have influence because they're popular right so let's let's go in now and look at what shanti wrote so she's explaining in her book keeper of the photo files or in the chapter keeper of the photo files what guys are visual means And she says, three areas of this guys are visual thing surfaced that many of us really don't get. Mm -hmm. One, a girl dressed in any outfit that calls attention to a good figure is an eye magnet. Mm -hmm. And she goes on to talk about that. Any eye magnet is incredibly difficult to avoid. And even if a guy forces himself not to look, he is very much aware of her presence. Yeah. So somehow being aware of her presence is a bad thing. But also like being an eye magnet means the guy has to force himself not to look at you. Which of course, by the way, is very subjective. Yeah. Two, even when no eye magnet is present, every guy has a bunch of stored images of other great bodies that can pop into his thoughts without warning. And three, when a guy sees or recalls a girl who is dressed to call attention to her figure, he's strongly tempted to picture her naked or even naked with him. And again, we're not saying, like, Shanti doesn't talk about, like, extreme clothing. We're saying just a drawing attention to your figure. That can just mean, uh, I mean, for peace, like, it can mean what I'm wearing now. I'm wearing a form-fitting top that just mm-hmm. cinches at the waist. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's regular clothes. Then she goes on to, to in this chapter, to talk to girls about what guys said. And mm-hmm. I want to just read you a couple of the responses to her survey and the open-end questions that, that she, she thought that teen she girls thought, needed to know. She thought teen girls needed to know this. So a, a guy writes, when I know there's a hot babe sitting near me in class, a part of my mind will constantly be aware of her. Yeah. Now, my question is, why is it important that girls listen to a guy who would call a girl just a hot babe? Yeah, exactly. Instead of a pretty girl or an attractive girl or someone I'm attracted to. That is objectifying language. But also, why are we being afraid that a guy might notice that you're near him? Like, why is this idea? Like, this is the whole thing. I grew up in this. I grew up in thinking that if someone notices you, you've done something wrong versus just you're allowed to exist. Yeah. And then here's another one. Uh, She quotes a guy saying, I am always looking. I'm just wired that way. It has nothing to do with the way I feel about my girlfriend. And so then if you're a girl who's dating a guy who's constantly looking at other girls, comparing you to them, uh, struggles with Mm -hmm. not leering. Oh, well, he's just wired that way. He really does love me. He's a good guy. No, he's not. (laughs) And then what does she say directly after that? And this is her commentary. Any girl dressed in a way that emphasizes a good figure becomes an eye magnet. Also... That is so subtle, but let's talk about that emphasizes a good figure. Mm -hmm. Because this also is a problem. Because then there's this idea that if guy, you're not supposed to have guys be attracted to you, but if Mm -hmm. guys aren't struggling to lust after you, it must mean that you don't have a good figure. Yeah. It must mean that you're not as attractive. It must mean there's something wrong with you. So you're supposed to be attractive enough that guys sin over you, but if you're not that attractive, then there's something wrong with you, but you're also not supposed to have guys sin over you. Mm -hmm. So you're supposed to have the kind of figure that could make guys sin, but then you're supposed to never let anyone know that you have it. Right. 
Yeah, you've got it. It's yes. perfect. Again, okay, erasing. So do we just see how problematic this is? Because yeah. she's she's quoting guys that are saying things that are terrible. Yeah. And she's thinking that girls need to understand boys. As opposed to saying, no, boys need to start learning how to respect it's like, women. Uh, it's like boys are teen boys are total horn dogs who need to just be given a couple of years to calm yeah. down. Okay. But also, like girls, you are allowed to expect that the boys in your life will treat you with respect. And in the book, she didn't just give the guys opinions. Mm -hmm. She also reveals the questions that she asked them. Yes. Which are really highly problematic. Like, I'm going to be honest. I I don't know why. Like, I'm glad that she was very honest about this, but Mm -hmm. it... It doesn't look good. Well, you'll see. Okay. Would you like to read it or should I read it? Uh, You can read it. Okay. So here is the question that she asked to remember. These are teenage boys. Okay. Now imagine that the same hot girl, and this is a follow-up question to a previous one about a hot girl who is in your class. Okay. So now imagine that the same hot girl goes to the front of the class to give a report. She's all business, but is wearing clothes that accentuate her figure. If you're not careful, would there be a possibility that you would picture her naked either now or later? Yeah. Would there be a possibility? Is there a chance in the infinite, like, millions of universes that it may exist according to, you know, like, all these physics theories? Now, now this, this, this question is terrible. Yes. But let's say that she had, that the answers that you could have chosen from were highly likely, somewhat likely. Yeah. A little likely. Very unlikely. Very, like, unlikely, in- very unlikely. Yeah, that, absolutely no. Yeah. She could have done that. But guess what? No, once again, I don't understand why Shanti always wants to make such creative response sets. Yeah, because that's not the proper way to it's do surveys. so bad. Here, here are the possibilities that our teenage boys hearing this could choose from. So remember, the question is, if you're not careful, would there be a possibility that you would picture her naked either now or later? Yes, almost definitely. And even this survey question risks raising images in my mind. Oh my gosh. 39%. It's like, I'm sorry. One second. Your response set should not sound like a sexy tweet or like a sexy text. Mm-hmm. Like, ooh, and even this message risks raising images in my mind. It shouldn't sound like you're trying to sext the person taking it. And remember, questions. this is an adult woman writing a survey question for teenage boys for and teenagers. she's she's asking you is this survey question getting you hot this is so problematic In for so, so many, many ways okay so 39% chose that option yes. that almost definitely and their survey question risks raising images 46% chose, chose yes possibly yeah like why is one answer like so long and creepy and the next one is just possibly, possibly. like honestly and the last one is no that would never occur to me so here's the thing though it's like you're asking people not think about look at all the different modifiers that are here ready okay. so we already know it's a hot girl so we already know this is someone who he's attracted to mm-hmm. she's all business but is wearing clothes that accentuate her figure right now immediately we're looking at this from a more pornographic standpoint this is i mean think about an erotica book about like you know the 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 uh, pirates, the corset busting pirates. <laughs> like, this is the kind of language that we're using, right? Mm-hmm. So we're using, you know, erotic pornographic language. If you're not careful, modifier one, would there be a possibility, modifier two, that you would picture her naked either now or later, possibil- um, modification three? Yeah. And so that's three modifiers. Right. That's not, did you picture her naked? Mm-hmm. That's not, would you picture her naked? There is there a possibility that if, you would uh, that you would picture her naked either now or later if, if you're, you're not, not careful. careful. There are three modifiers. Only like 
anyone who's trying to be honest on a survey is going to say, I mean, yeah, possibly. Mm-hmm. That Like, anyone is going to say either, yeah, I, I probably would then, or, yeah, possibly. Like, mm-hmm. 15% said, no, that would never occur to me. Like, congratulations, we found 15% of guys who, like, either weren't sexually, you know, who Mature hadn't reached sexually, sexual maturity yet, or who were not straight. Yeah, like, right. like there's like, <laughs> yeah, like there, there, there is no. This is not a good survey question. If you were gonna measure whether or not guys actually picture women naked when they're presenting, mm-hmm. like here's how I would do it. Okay, you'd have four groups. Well, no, you have five groups. Mm-hmm. You'd have one group where you were listening. Okay, I'm thinking of another one. Six groups. Six groups. Okay. <laughs> you have... This I, I'm doing this... Pretty. No one expects a Spanish Inquisition. There yes. Are, there are five. No, there are four. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm doing this on the fly, guys. Okay. So I have six groups. Mm-hmm. Split in three based mm-hmm. on um, whether or not it's a male or a female. Okay. So first of all, on the male side, you'd have a dude giving a presentation who is an incredibly attractive dude mm-hmm. in a a very tight-fitting, um, button-down white shirt and, like, really well-tailored, fits-him-well pants, okay? okay. So, like, really good-looking, definitely accentuates his body, attractive mm-hmm. dude. Next group, same dude in oversized baggy clothes that do nothing for his body, okay? okay. Third, male voice only. Okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. For the other group, you'd have women, same things. You have an incredibly attractive woman in a very business-appropriate, but very, um, you know, attractive outfit. Maybe, like, you know, a, a pencil skirt, some nylons, a fit, form-fitting shirt, mm-hmm. high heels, that kind of thing. Second group, you'd have a woman in incredibly um, uh, oversized clothing, doesn't show her figure at all. Mm-hmm. And then the third, woman voice only. Okay. So your groups would be told your job is to take notes and summarize the presentation. We're looking for short-term memory recall. That's what we're measuring. Okay. Okay. So that's so that's what they all think is happening. The same way that when you're in class, you're trying to measure whether or not you remember the presentation. You're trying to focus on presentation, right? Mm-hmm. At the end, mm-hmm. the response then asked, "Did you picture her naked, or did you picture him naked?" And mm-hmm. by the way, men and women take both take all six groups. Right. Right. And that's how you'd figure out because you wouldn't be priming people. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd be saying, oh, well, yeah, okay, so people in the um, person with the attractive one pictured them naked more often, but it was still only a rate of, like, 9% or yeah. something, right? Or, like, mm-hmm. even the voice only got a lot of people going. Like, there's, like, you figure out other stuff there, right? Versus saying, okay, guys, <laughs> are you ready? Picture a hot girl who's all business but is wearing clothes that accentuate her figure. Tight little hiney is showing. Like <laughs> that's what we're talking about here. Like so this is so different. It, this first of is all, so it's, inappropriate. It's, it's inappropriate to 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 phrase questions to teen boys like this. Well, this but is, it's also this is not proper survey. No, this is not proper. When people research. talk about leading questions and priming, this yeah. is what priming. This is a prime example of priming. And so it was from this that she concluded that all guys are going to picture to you naked. Picture you naked. Yeah. So really, what she did was she got guys aroused. Mm-hmm. She had them think about arousing things. Think about hot girls. Think about hot girls, which means boobs mm-hmm. and butt. Okay. We also know from other studies that when we reduce people to body parts, like a great figure, instead of saying an attractive woman, mm-hmm. okay, like a great figure, um, we know that it's more likely people will think of sex. We, we've we talked about those studies in previous podcasts and posts versus yeah. if you think of the whole person, you're mm-hmm. less likely to think of sex, mm-hmm. right? So you're already priming boys to think of sex first. And then you're asking them, is there a possibility if you're not careful, maybe now or later, you're doing three modifiers. There's no way that guys are going to answer no very mm-hmm. often. 
But this became this became the main way that we talked about modesty yep. during purity culture. It did, and Ashanti wasn't the one who st- who necessarily started it. Oh no, she was certainly in the midst of it, writing yep. for Brio and writing this book. She was not the only one who did it, and she's not the only one who still does it. But you can just see how this assumption is that boys are like this, and so girls need to adjust mm-hmm. because this is just what boys are like, as opposed to. Is this okay? Can we call boys to more? And can and we she also... Does, and to be fair, she does in her book talk about the difference between temptation and sin and how, you know, guys shouldn't get a green light. But you see how she's described things. Well, that's the thing. She gives the caveats, but her teaching directly contradicts it. And we see yeah. this so often in churches. We'll say, now, girls, there is nothing, you know, boys, are, it's their responsibility to make mm-hmm. sure they don't lust. But, and then there's a big but that then directly goes against that which is but remember that the way you dress impacts him and he doesn't have a choice because it's how god made him well what is it is it his responsibility or not mm-hmm. right like which one exactly and here's uh here's an example uh one of a listener sent mm-hmm. me this just this week mm-hmm. so this is a modesty handout talk that was given in her church to the young people um i won't say what city she's from but she just sent me this it's an eight-page handout goes into all this modesty stuff and it almost sounds word for word like what shanti wrote but yeah but listen to this bit so modesty is basically a personal opinion and choice Yes, it most definitely is. However, like I mentioned before, you do have to be aware of how you dress affects others. If you are always dressing in a way that flaunts your body and makes people pay attention to you or lust after you, then you are probably not dressing in a modest way. Yeah, once again, makes people lust after you, makes people pay attention attention to to you. you. So once again, simply having a woman's body that Mm -hmm. people find attractive is a sin. And that is the message that was given over and over again, is that your woman's body is a problem Mm -hmm. you need to cover it up to make sure that people don't notice it because they will be tempted to take it in they will be tempted to linger on it they will be tempted to draw the picture of what's missing etc etc and that is what our teen girls and our women were told Mm -hmm. but here's where i want to end it Mm -hmm. is that this message was not only given to teen girls and Mm -hmm. adult women yeah so let me start the story yes um when you were i'm gonna say 12 or 13. I think I was 12. I remember this. I think yeah. I was 12. And Katie was 10 or 11. She was 10. I decided that I wanted to be more proactive <laughs> about doing devotions and spiritual stuff as a family. And so I went up to the Christian bookstore and I was looking for mother-daughter devotionals. Mm-hmm. And I found there was this big, um, uh, this big display of these fun blue books with like pictures of cute little girls and flowers and moms on the cover. And it was Secret Keeper Girl yeah. by Dana Gresh. And I thought, oh, this is great. It's like, it's wonderful curriculum. So I bought it. Didn't really read a lot. Uh, I should have, in retrospect, I really should have read more what the back cover said, because it was almost entirely about um, your beauty and figuring out modesty and how God wants us to look. It was just really, really kind of odd. But nevertheless, I brought it home and I prepared to do, there's there's eight dates in it Mm -hmm. that you do with your daughter. And it has now been rebranded. It's no longer Secret Keeper Girl. They now call it Eight Great Dates for Moms Mm -hmm. and Daughters. But it's 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 the same thing. Very similar. They've changed it a little bit, but not much because we have both copies. Um, And the first one, there was, it, it told mom to prepare a tea party for your daughters. Yes. Okay. And you were supposed to get some props. 
Yeah. And one of them was you were supposed to have a china teacup. Mm-hmm. And luckily, I have 50 china teacups that my grandmother gave me. Yeah, they're family so heirlooms. Fairly, so I, that was exciting. I thought, yeah. oh, this is great. Like, this is a great thing to do with my kids because we can use the family heirlooms. So I got the china teacup. And then you were supposed to get a ceramic mug, you know, and then you were supposed to get a styrofoam cup. Yes. Okay, and you were supposed to talk to your kids about how we can present ourselves either as a china teacup mm-hmm. or a ceramic mug mm-hmm. or something which is disposable. No, trashable. The word trashable. is trashable. The word is trashable, right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, are you presenting yourself as something which is precious? And mm-hmm. this is all about, it's, it really revolves around how you clothe yourself and mm-hmm. what clothing you're wearing. Um, and it goes on to look at what the different things mean. And then we're supposed to ask our daughters, can you think of friends who are treating themselves like styrofoam cups? Yeah, the, the quote is this. Do you ever see girls presenting themselves as trashable in any of these ways? The ways that we dress, talk, act, or the places we're willing to go? So literally, one of the first questions that I was supposed to ask my girls is which of your friends Do you is the trashiest? <laughs> yes. Rank your friends in terms of least trashy to most trashy. It was after I read that question yep. that we got rid of this book and we never did anything else. Yeah. Because, you know, at the time, there were several friends in your friend group, sort of in the margins, mm-hmm. who had come from some difficult family situations Mm-hmm. who did wear crop tops and listen to Spice Girls and things like that. Which back then would have been, that would have been the trash book. That would have, been, that would have gotten you a one way train to trash I did city. not want you thinking that way about them because they were precious girls who needed love and yeah. who were important. And so we did get rid of the Secret Keeper manual. Um, but as we were preparing to write She Deserves Better, we got it back out. And we wanted to take a look at some of the messages that it, gave because this wasn't just a curriculum this was a huge event all across north america Mm -hmm. secret keeper girl events um it was really the premier thing that moms and daughters did yeah they had like modesty fashion shows and stuff yes yes and why don't you read some what it said to girls this is this is under truth or bear fashion tests Mm -hmm. so these were tests that the girls can do to make sure that their their clothes are modest. Are you ready? And Secret Keeper Girl, again, is, is age, directed eight towards to 12. 8 to 12-year-old girls. Ready? Test. Raise and praise. Target question. Am I showing too much belly? Action. Stand straight up and pretend you are going for it in worship and extend your arms in the air to God. Is this exposing a lot of belly? Bellies are very intoxicating, and we need to save that for our husband. So, wait, I think you need to read that again. Yeah. Okay. Stand straight up and pretend you are going for it in worship and extend your arms in the air to God. Is this exposing a lot of belly? Bellies are very intoxicating and we need to save that for our husband. So your eight-year-old daughter's belly is very intoxicating. Now, we just want to read to you what she meant by intoxicating. She explains this early, early, earlier on in a script that she gives to moms of conversations that moms can have with their daughters. Okay, so here's what the script is, okay? So for moms and daughters. Mom, do you remember what Dana said our beauty has the power to do to a man? Remember, again, 8 to 12-year-olds. Okay. Daughter, some will remember the word intoxicate and others may need help. Mom says, that's right. Is a person in control when he is intoxicated? Daughter, 
Some will understand what this means and some will need help. Explain that it means to be out of control. If they've ever been anesthetized for surgery or dental work, you may use that to give them an idea of how a person might feel out of control, or you can refer to the story on the audio about drunkenness. Be sure to remind them that they are responsible to make good choices, but in these situations, it's simply harder to do so. Again, though, being anesthetized, that's out of control, out of control. Mom says, well, when a man views a woman's body, whether it's her curves or some of her skin, he is intoxicated. And then it, it goes on for a long time to explain what intoxication means in the autonomous nervous system, which again is like, there's no choice. It just happens to him. Yes. And then the mom says, who created our bodies to have that power, that intoxicating power? The daughter says, God. Mom, who created men's bodies to respond to that power by being intoxicated? Daughter says, God. Mom says, so the response is God's plan. But did you notice that the verse Dana shared with us said rejoice in the wife of your youth? How many wives? Daughter, one. Mom, so the man is only supposed to be intoxicated by one woman. So how many men do you think God wants you to be intoxicating to? Daughter, one. Eight-year-olds are being taught that they should only be intoxicating to one man. Because their bellies make men get out of control. Yep, exactly. This is what was taught to our millennial generation. Well, and not only that, think about how many predators convinced young girls to do things with them sexually because, well, I'm the one you're going to marry. Like, this kind of mentality is grooming girls to believe that your body's job is to intoxicate men. There's no room to simply be a woman. There's no or room. Or be an eight-year-old no, no, no. girl. Oh, yeah, before we even get there. Like, there's no room to simply exist as a female without being used by a man. Mm-hmm. Girls are not allowed to grow up simply being children. They are immediately intoxicating when they're eight, nine, ten years old. And instead of growing up and then being allowed to enjoy the fact that you have a sensual woman's body and understand that doesn't mean that you're sexually promiscuous. That doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that you're automatically a sex object. What Dana is telling these young girls is that men are intoxicated by your body because of what you have done to them by choosing to have your body around them and not covering up. And covering up, by the way, doesn't just mean wearing clothes. It means literally having them not able to see your curves. Yeah. That's the point. So you are not allowed to be an eight-year-old who wears a two-piece bathing suit running around the splash pad with her friends because eight-year-olds go to splash pads still, Mm -hmm. okay? You're not allowed to be a nine-year-old who is just, you know, running around and her skirt flies up because she's nine. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to be a 10, 11, 12-year-old who just, you know, is still awkwardly figuring out what fits her and she has a shirt that's a little bit too small because she had a growth spurt because now she's intoxicating Mm -hmm. because a little bit of her belly showed. Right. And then you're definitely not allowed to be a 16 year old who's just enjoying finally feeling grown up and like a woman and wearing clothes that accentuate her figure because mm-hmm. that is intoxicating to men. Yeah. And they were eight. They were eight. They were eight. And they were told this. So I... many of you listening, I know you were told this, that you're intoxicating. 
Yeah. And that if a man is out of control, literally yeah. out of control around you, that it's the problem with your body. Yeah. And my God, I'm sorry, but... Yeah. It's pedophilia. It's pedophilia. Yeah. It is It is genuinely pedophilia. There is no other word for being and, sexually attracted to an eight-year-old than pedophilia. And why is it that our teaching to girls has more in common yeah. with the pedophilia associations yeah. than it does with the Bible? I mean, for Pete's sake, where else are you going to see your belly is very intoxicating told to an eight-year-old? Yeah, to grown men. Yeah, from your grown belly, men. From yeah. grown men, yeah. Your belly is intoxicating to grown men. Exactly. Like, please. Yeah. And this is what we did. Mm -hmm. This is what the church did. And church, hear us on this. Your daughter deserves better than this. Yes. Even though Secret Keeper Girl isn't sold in the same way anymore. Even though For Young Women Only isn't for sale in the same way anymore. That handout that was sent to me this week says mm -hmm. exactly the same thing. And in the 2021 version, Eight Great Dates, girls are still taught about how the way that we dress invites men to finish the story of our bodies. Mm -hmm. We are still telling eight-year-olds that it is normal for grown men to look at their bodies as sexual. We may have changed some of the wording so it sounds a little prettier and a little less pedophilic, but mm -hmm. the pedophilia is still there. Yeah. And, I'm, and I know that that's a harsh word. No, but it is. But that is what it is. It is pedophilia. And we have stolen girls childhood mm -hmm. by making them grow up too soon but then we don't even allow them to enjoy growing up yeah it's like once a girl becomes sexually attractive to one pedophile in the congregation she is no longer to allow to she is no longer allowed to just have a body yeah she is a threat yeah and we see this in the long-term consequences of these messages on mm -hmm. women that this is one of the biggest reasons that we in the evangelical church have a higher rate of sexual pain because yeah. we've been taught that our bodies are threatening. And so why in the world would any woman want to embrace her body? Exactly. Because sex and everything with it is a threat. Well, and also when we know that vaginismus is more likely to happen when women are unaroused and they have sex for the first time, and then you're married and you're like, well, he can't help himself. I'm lucky he's even controlled himself this far. I have to do it now. It's not fair. How are women supposed to be able to be told you're allowed to wait? If you don't want to have sex in your wedding night, wait until your honeymoon. That's fine when they've been told from age eight my body's intoxicating and i am his now yeah it's it's awful and please readers please hear me on this we're so passionate about this our, our the chapter on modesty uh, it will if it doesn't bring you to tears i don't know what yeah. will yeah um but she deserves better than this yeah you deserved better than this and you deserve better than this now yeah and I was talking to someone today who said she's reading She Deserves Better as a way to reparent herself. Yeah. Because of the messages that she grew up with. We cannot let the next generation grow up with this. We need to set women free. And so please, um, pick up She Deserves Better. You can join the launch team. We've got all the links on where you can order it and how you can send in your receipt so that you can join us. We're having a ton of fun over on Facebook, a ton of great Facebook lives and webinars coming. And you get that um, handout that you can give to people to show, hey, this is actually a healthy way to talk about modesty and not all this crap, okay? Because women aren't sin management tools. There's nothing wrong with having a woman's body and eight-year-old bellies are not intoxicating. And I'm amazed that in 2023, we still have to say this. So thank you for joining us on the Bear Marriage Podcast. And we will see you again next week where we turn to what we learned about consent. Bye-bye. <laughs>